Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry. Hear that vocal shouting, it's Dinger and Jay. It's Dinger and Jay. Welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast ground. This is the walkout from Paycor Stadium on a day where the Bengals beat the Atlanta Falcons 35 to 17. Joe Burrow goes off. The Bengals offense goes off. Tyler Boyd goes off. Jamar Chase goes off. T. Higgins came seven yards short. Not if you ask him. Yeah. <laughs> but the Bengals offense, the offensive line, the weapons, with a heavy assist to a depleted Falcon secondary and lack of general pass rush, sell everyone the vision that was sold back in free agency in the offseason. There it is. Mm. Proof of concept. What it all can look like. It looked like a ridiculous 481 yards passing by Joe Burrow, three touchdowns passing, one rushing, Tyler Boyd 8 for 155, Jamar Chase 8 for 130, T. Higgins 5 for 93, explosives, long drives, you name it, they did it. And... um, Welcome into the AFC conversation. It took a little bit. Yeah. It took a minute, but the Bengals um, had a reminder for everyone today that uh, they will not be going quietly this year. And, and remember, they, they, were the, they were the ones that were AFC champs last year. They certainly looked like that today. Yeah, that's it. this felt like turn back the clock day because this looks so much like so many of those games we saw last year. Um, the explosion – I mean that we, they, they've talked all year about you get the the too high look and you just got to win a different way. Well, today they said screw that. It was a too high look and they threw a deep ball, third play of the game, sixty yard touchdown for Tyler Boyd. They won the they won every way they wanted to win today. They 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 didn't take what the defense gave them. They took what they wanted, and it it did. It just it felt so much like one of those games last year. And you know Zach said in his in his post game press conference, remember when we rode too? And I told everyone to be patient. And now here they sit, winning four of the last five, remain tied for first. In the AFC North, huge one coming up next week at Cleveland to keep that pace going with Baltimore. I mean, really, they're a Philly special away from five in a row. Yeah, I mean, they you know a game in Baltimore that was a tough spot that they had some absurdity from the two yard line. That outside of that, they win, and you're talking about a team that's won five in a row. You're talking about a team that's five and two, which was what they were at this point last year. You're talking about a team that's hot, and you're having them in the same conversation with the Chiefs and the Bills in that regard. 
You're not because of what happened, and that's fine. And and the the, the unevenness in spots that they've seen early in the season is is part of it. But you know, I, there's there's a bunch of stuff we want to get to. Um, there are some some very interesting defensive developments, including Cam Taylor Britt's arrival on the scene yep. uh, and Eli Apple standing on the sideline. The, the defense is unbelievable streak that continues. Um, I want to talk about Jamar Chase's day a little bit, but to me, it's about what this offense, what what we can take of these last two weeks. Joe Burrow's numbers the last two weeks are just insane. Ridiculous. I mean, they've, they've obviously done this heavy lean in the shotgun. We've talked a bunch about it. That's working. It's pass heavy. That's working. It's really let Burrow cook. Mm-hmm. It's what we talked about that happened at the end of last year. It was, all right, drop the hammer, right? It's time to drop the hammer. It's time to show some aggressiveness and let Burrow be your identity. Let Burrow be your team. Let Burrow's processing be the decision maker out there. And Zach Taylor said after game, I, I give him a play and got confident that he's going to get us into the right look and do the right play for it. He's seeing the field so well. I mean, 78.5% completion <laughs> over a two-week period where you're throwing for 9.9 yards per attempt. You're up over 800 total yards in these two games. I mean, it, you're, 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 you're just talking about absurd numbers. 3.6 points per drive? <laughs> I mean, the, the, it's just none of it even makes any sense. Um, I will say this, and it's important to consider this part. The Falcons and the Saints defenses were are terrible matchups. Yes. Like, they, they, they are amongst the worst in the league in pressure percentage. And their secondaries both were depleted coming into the game, uh, and the Falcons got an even bigger hit when they lost A.J. Terrell uh, early in the game. The Saints played without Marshawn Lattimore. That's Teams with that structure have no shot against the Bengals' offense for the most part. They're just – it's too dynamic. There's just not enough answers out there. That said – you know, the confidence that comes from this, the way the offensive line is holding up, I think – I really think that they have figured things out. Um, and it's not just, oh, those defenses are susceptible. Uh, I, I don't think that's the case at all. No. I mean, you could say that if even if it was like last week where it was a, a close win, they had to come back. This was This was different. This was just beating the snot out of a team, out of a defense. It didn't matter. They could have had all their starters, and you, you wonder if if it would have looked a whole lot. I mean, it would have been different, but they, like I said earlier, they just did whatever they wanted to do today. They they hit deep balls, uh, back shoulders that turned into long touchdown runs by Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd making one-handed stabs. He had his own back shoulder catch. It was just Joe, the backyard burrow that you wrote about, the play where he scrambles out and he just lofts a soft little one over to Joe Mixon. I can't remember if that was a third down conversion, but that was a big play that got him in the scoring range. It just it seemed like everything they called worked today. The 60-yard bomb down the middle to Boyd was, was a really big one for a couple of reasons, short and long term. You mentioned it. You're not supposed to be able to throw that ball. You're not, you know, all that. They had the play dialed up, and it is a cover two over the top. You can throw over the top of that thing down the middle. We just hadn't seen them really do that or attempt it to have it so wide open. I mean, he makes the guy fall over, but still, I don't think he would have had any chance of running with TB on that play. It's, it was, Jamar Chase said after the game, it's what 
got them out of playing that. It mm-hmm. made them switch over to playing man. And once they play man, it's over. over. It's over. Teams can't come out here and play man defense against these receivers. You just can't do it. And especially not when you're getting the kind of protection that the Bengals were getting. And so, again, the second week in a row, forcing them out of those shells and into man because there's just they're just going to try something else because what they're doing isn't working. That's when the Bengals have solved the way the league is approaching them, when they're being so efficient, mm. so good against the deep shells that they have to try something else, and then you end up with all Jamar and Burrow and all the playmaking that you mm-hmm. see, which is just absurd. I think that's a big point, and, and that Boyd play was kind of, uh, you know, the dam breaking a little bit on that of, of, okay, the defense has to try something else. And what I love about it is we have another Saturday night Ted Karras story where he 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 didn't crash the quarterback. He said he was invited by Joe Burrow. He was invited by Joe Burrow. But they have this thing where they all predict what the what play is going to get him their first touchdown. And he predicted that play. Jonah Williams said in the huddle, he knew it was hitting. Tyler Boyd said even before they. They ran the play. He, they knew it was a touchdown. They've been working on it all week in practice, hitting it over and over again. That's some kind of confidence to, to say, oh, look, it's, it's a too high shell, and we've got this great concept that we're just going to torch it. And they did. And Joe Burrow could have thrown that to T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. They were both open. Because you, if you watch the replay, you see that the, the safety just trips over his own feet, didn't know which guy to run with. And as Tyler Boyd said, he just got all out of whack. And it was, it was one of the easiest touchdowns you'll ever see. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. There was a lot of things that were as easy as you'll ever see. I mean, there were multiple. The day twice ran a defense that was don't cover T. Higgins. I mean, you know, and it's just they there was guys wide open, you know, and Hayden Hurst, I talked to him after the game. And he said, I, you know, I've never been a, a part of something quite like that, hmm. where it's just there's just so many poisons to pick from. <laughs> uh, and there were just guys standing all alone and wide open all day because the Falcons just didn't even really know what to do. I mean, there was so many options in Burrow is just seeing the field so well right now. Yeah. He he just finds I mean there was one play where it looked like he was on about his fourth progression all the way back across the field to find T Higgins all alone kind of standing there but the clear it was clear the whole play was going the other way and it just it seems it just happens time and again. It took time for the line it took time for the chemistry to all kind of find itself. It took time for them to really get good at figuring out how they're going to attack what these defenses are doing to them. 
now it's happening. Now you have your sort of, you know, it's all the breakout moment is complete now. What's happened the last two weeks. Um, We'll see what it looks like next week against Cleveland. But, I mean, they have a better pass rush, but they also have been getting ripped up defensively in their own right. Um, There's a lot to get to with that game. We will have a whole – we'll have eight days to do it. We want to talk a little bit about more – about some developments today. This was fun. The Jamar Chase, the first touchdown by the pylon. So asking Jamar – because I'd seen the next-gen stats had popped up that it was the lowest – probability of a completion ever from Burrow to Chase Hmm. and at 19.9%, which I would argue the San Francisco throw it behind a guy running the other direction touchdown was the lowest probability. That said, I'll I'll listen to the analytics on it. Okay. I asked Jamar Chase, like, where does that dime rank? And he said one, he snapped up one you sh- he said, you show me a better dime than that. You show me where really, when has that ever happened? And, you know, he was at him. He said, that was a dime. And there's only one place that could ever be as good a spot ball as he's ever thrown to me. Now, from a duo that has a lot of improbable yeah. completions in their past to say that, I mean, but, and again, it was man to man. Burrow said, when it's man-to-man, everybody in the building knows where it's going. That's because he knows, even in blanket coverage, right along the sidelines by the pylon, he can put it there. And uh, he he did that today. And then there's the other type where you're in man-to-man where you can just throw it back shoulder to chase because you're worried about the deep pylon throw. And he makes one move and he runs past everyone for another touchdown. Did it both ways today on the sideline against man-to-man. And it's just – it's an unstoppable thing that they have. Again, that goes back to the throw back the clock thing, or turn back the clock. That that looked like that Kansas City play where it was a short little screen. He makes one move and he outraces everyone. And the the one at the pylon, I mean, Burrow could say the, the same about Chase, one of the best catches he's had because that it was man to man, but the safety was closing fast and he popped him and he he held onto the ball. It was still he had to do some some fancy footwork to get both feet in along the sideline as he crossed the goal line. It was just I, – I didn't think it was going to be – you always have confidence that Jamar is going to catch the ball when Joe throws it. But it did not look when that ball was in the air like that was going to be complete. You just – you can see it being knocked away by the, the defender. You can see it being knocked loose with the safety coming over and popping him. That was a, a really, really impressive play. And – I don't know. I don't know which is more because I. it's just insane to think you can throw a back shoulder pass like that. And he didn't do anything fancy. He just caught the ball, stuck his foot in the ground, reversed the reverse course and outruns everyone. It's There's not many guys in the league that can do that. No, we saw it last week and talked about it in Tyron Matthew not being able to catch him as mm-hmm. Chase breaks a tackle and accelerates to outrun at the same time. That's That acceleration is just – it's a reminder to everyone he is the freakiest physical specimen in the building mm. at almost all times. And, uh, you know, no secret here, though, that Burrow to Chase is good. Just a reminder of it today. <laughs> um, a, another side of this is, Jay, you spend a lot of time and you write about Tyler Boyd. Yeah. I mean, there it's notable that a few weeks ago they were so open about, mm-hmm. look, we got to get the – what are we doing? You know, there were, they said everything but what are we doing, right? <laughs> like, what, why, how is Tyler Boyd going, you know, days, weeks, almost a month without really being involved in the offense? It's, and it shows today because 
you know, games like this, like he's had the last two weeks, it really does make the difference. It really does set it off. And that, that third weapon, it, those are the things where we talk about the times where defenses just throw their arms up. I think when Boyd starts having games like this is when defenses just throw their arms up. And that was a game of their arms up from the Falcons today. That was a quarter of their arms up. Yeah. I mean, 105 yards in the first quarter. It just didn't. I asked Tyler, I was like, you ever done that? High school, college? He's like, nope. I think today was a first. Yeah. That, that was really fast to get going. Yeah, the 60-yarder helps with that. But first play of the game, he catches an 11-yarder. Um, he converts the third down, the, the deep one. It was just getting him going. Yeah, what do you do if you're a defense? And you're so worried about Chase and Higgins, and, and then it's Tyler Boyd that's torching you. And it was interesting because – Zach had mentioned, I don't know if it was earlier this week or last week, but we were talking about Tyler Boyd, and, and he said it's not an issue that they haven't got him. It's not an issue for Tyler that they haven't got him going because he has the smallest ego on the team. Um, I asked a bunch of guys about that today, and every single one of them took exception to it. And they, they all said, <laughs> not that he has a big ego, they said, I think we all have small egos. That's just That defines this team. It's if the entire team is like that. It's about sharing and rooting for each other. And and I, I think there's something to it. It sounds a little cliche, but there's there's not a single diva on this team, and there could be when you see how much talent there is out there. Yeah. The Bengals score 35 points and leave a bunch of points on the board in the second half that they didn't really need. I mean, they had a you know fourth down, third and fourth down they couldn't convert, uh, you know, other drives. I mean, so there was a moment, though, and this is a good chance for us to shift gears, where you wondered if the blazing start that they had, you know, going up 28 to 7, uh, was going to be – you know, kind of pissed away a little bit because you see two awful plays right at the end of the first half. Yeah. You have Eli Apple gets roasted for a 75-yard bomb to Demir Bird. And um, then you get – they get stopped trying to come back the other direction. Jamar Chase goes down uh, on, on a play. And then a punt return comes back 57 yards – Tackle with three seconds left, and they tack a, a three onto it for a field goal. And all of a sudden, it's 28-17, and the Falcons are getting the ball yep. coming out of the half. And you're thinking, okay, we saw this from the Falcons in the Tampa Bay game from them where they looked down and out and came back, and they were a bad pat rough in the passer call away from maybe even going and winning that game. And you're thinking, okay, this is the type of game the Falcons play. They, they're, they're plucky. They hang around. The defense comes out and does what they do. They come out, they get back-to-back three and outs, although I shouldn't say that's what they do. They don't normally do that. <laughs> uh, but they got back-to-back three and outs. They didn't allow a touchdown or any points um, in the second half, Again. continuing that streak. They are now seven straight games, first seven games of the season, without allowing a touchdown after halftime. They have now only allowed 22 points in their last 15 third quarters. One touchdown, a Drew Locke touchdown of all people against yeah. Denver is the only one in the third quarter. There's – Jay, we know all about statistical trends. and We know all about coincidences. Like when we were tracking the absurd coin toss streak last <laughs> year, we understood that there's a coincidental nature to this stuff, okay? This is who they are. Yeah. This is their identity. Their identity is – Figure out what you're doing and hopefully get a bunch of stops in the first half while you do that. And the second half, when we know what you're doing, shut it down. Mm-hmm. And they just do. They do over and over again. That's now the, the seven-game streak. 
goes all the way back to 2000, the last time a team had a streak of seven games. I mean, that is incredible. And Sam Hubbard said, you know, he's like, you know, I saw some of the stats, not the second half streak, but the the 22 points streak. And he said, like, saw that on Instagram. And that's just crazy <laughs> to think that, that, that that's, we didn't really realize that. It's just you just kind of keep playing and that's who you are. Um, it is who they are. Yeah. I mean, what, they were – a minute away from it being nine games in a row because they did it against Kansas City in the AFC Championship game. They almost did it to the Rams in the Super Bowl, that very final drive. It is. It's who they are, and it's about mindset and also about we've talked about Lou Anarumo being so good at, at, at halftime adjustments and figuring out what they're doing, getting Sometimes you don't have to make a major adjustment. You just have to understand what they're doing and defend it. And I don't, I'm trying to remember. I mean, as I don't know if anybody's even been close to getting a touchdown in the second half. They've given up field goals and they've given up red zone trips, but they are not letting people get in the end zone. And you just, I don't want to say you can't lose games that way because they've lost three of them this year. But once the offense is playing like this, if that defense keeps doing that in the second half, yeah, then it's going to be really hard to lose a game. That's the point, right? It's you combine that identity of the defense with mm. this identity of the offense, and you see us as a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it is, and, and I think you knew that coming in that that was had the potential to be that, but could both sides keep that up? Um, an interesting development, though. I mentioned Eli Apple getting roasted. We saw this last week. We saw Eli Apple getting targeted heavily by Andy Dalton and the Saints and losing a bunch of battles there. And he ends up kind of getting the last laugh on the last play, but almost gave that up too as he fell or whatever. And look, it it, it was apparent that uh, Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor had kind of seen enough of that tape and Cam Taylor Britt was back now off of IR, been practicing. You know, at first he was just playing scout team quarterback, acting like Lamar Jackson in practice. Then, you know, he's he's out. And then this past week, Cam says they had him in rotating with the first team something. They didn't tell me what role I would play, but you know, you you thought because you were getting that that it could be possible. They give him they rotate him in early in the game mm-hmm. for a series. Luana Rumo, who quite adamantly has stated he does not like messing with all of the 400 level classes that are occurring in his defensive secondary. And to the point that Dax Hill, who has an entire preseason of great play under his belt and some pretty nice plays in the small stint when he's been given chances, hasn't been able to be given that opportunity. If you check my, my Twitter from a few weeks ago, there's about an 850 word rant from Luana Rumo. If you want to hear his feelings (laughs) on that even more, but here's Cam Taylor Britt getting a shot. And in the second half, he plays a ton of snaps. He ends up out snapping Eli Apple 27 to 16 in this game. And it's a, it's clear the the battle is on the one that we thought might happen back in training camp, but was derailed by his core muscle injury has shown up now in week seven. Um, and they're going to go back and evaluate the tape and, and see what it has to look like going forward. But Certainly, the arrival of Cam Taylor Britt was the surprise of this day on the defensive side. Yeah, and it would be interesting to know. I don't think they will tell us, but you know, if they don't jump out to that fourteen nothing lead, do do they work Cam Taylor Britt in? Do they feel comfortable working him in for a series there? Um, 
as early as they did. But when you get up on a big, you get a big like that early and, and feel good about being able to continue doing it. It it allows you to do that. And I do, I, I mean, for everything Lou said in that rant about how you don't, I will never, I've never rotated corners and I, or DBs and I never will. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. And he did it today. And it does, it feels, I don't know, I don't know if you go benching yet, but it, it feels like a major swing. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see Cam Taylor Britt start that Carolina game, if not Cleveland. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see what happens from here. But you know, Zach Taylor said specifically, you know, we thought Cam had been practicing really well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was they were giving him a chance in practice. They're, if they're rotating him in with the ones, go cover Jamar Chase, go cover T. Higgins in practice. Let's see how you look compared to Eli Apple. And if you hang at all, we'll give you a chance in the game. And obviously, he said, you know, they think he was doing well enough in the games or in the practices to put him in the game. So here he is. Um, We'll be tracking that going forward as well. All right, let's just take a quick break. The Falcons running game partially gets derailed by situation, right? Um, you know, that they when you get the fast start, the Morrison drives were smacked around a little bit today. Yeah. 14-0. <laughs> uh the first, the second time in Burrow's career that he's scored touchdowns on the first two drives, right. only the Indianapolis game, his rookie year, where they went up 21 to nothing. Has he done that before? It's been notably a struggle point for him. I think the fact that the Falcons defense was so similar to the Saints, it really felt like a continuation yeah. of what was happening the previous week. Um, and they were able to just pick up where they left off. But I mean, that's notable. Then taking, they had enough confidence in it to take the ball when they won the coin toss. Again, a thing that we've seen them do to try to get the fast starts going and it works. You know, they only allow 3.7 yards per carry and 107 total yards to the Falcons without DJ Reader, without Logan Wilson. That is a big confidence boost as they have to go try to stop Nick Chubb next week. You know, they can do it without those guys. Yeah, and not just that volume, but the longest run they gave up was 11. We talked about it on the pod Thursday, and it was our growler bet. Sorry, growler bets. 15 times they had runs of 15 yards or more. Uh, didn't do it at all today. And I I, I want to look this up because I just now thought of this, but when was the last time a team lost by 18 points and only had 13 passes? Like yeah. the, the, the Falcons just never got out of their offense, even though they were down instantly. And they had a 10-minute drive, and they had a 10-second drive because that 75-yard bomb to Bird. But that that's really remarkable that, that they didn't throw the ball more, and it would have it would have probably helped the evaluation of Cam Taylor Britt had they done that. Um, but it was that that run defense really stepped up against a, a a very very good rushing attack, even though they the Bengals kind of took them out of what they wanted to. They still ran it 29 times, 3.7 per. They did. So, you know, a a nice day for the Bengals defense really outside of the one deep ball against Eli Apple really the rest of the day. And they do allow the long drive, but you know what? You'll it happens, right? Yeah. Like a 10-minute drive where you had a couple chances to stops and couldn't make it. You'll 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 allow that. But, you know, those that that showing again another nice one from the Bengals defense. So, fast forward, the Browns lose to the Ravens. Um can't quite get over the hump at the end of the game against Baltimore. So the Browns are two and five. Bengals and Ravens are both four and three. Bengals go to the Browns next week, a win on Monday night football, and you officially have your two-team race from this point on. I mean, 
I guess there's a chance the Steelers, the fighting pickets could like have a shot. But I mean, this is really going to come down to Bengals, Ravens, specifically if you can, you know, you're just, you're just putting the Browns away next week is what that ends up. If they move to two and six, yeah, it's, it's good night, Irene, for them. If you're five and three, then you would come home to face a Carolina team who, despite the win that they got in Tampa, you know, maybe, maybe they're better than you think. I mean, they have, they're selling off parts. That'll be post trade deadline. Who knows how many more of their parts go, uh, you know, a game that you feel like you can come here and have a, a similar NFC South victory that you, that you have had the last two weeks and you're, and you're in a, and you're in a great place. I mean, the chance to really rip off some wins here and that again, that's, that's building, that's that's projecting, that's going a couple steps too far, probably. But, you know, the way, the confidence that they have going now, um, they certainly have to feel good about what they can pull off. And maybe Burrow can beat the Browns for once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a first. The, you look at it and... You don't want to look too far ahead, but you can't help but notice what the second half looks like. And that Ravens schedule is the polar opposite of the Bengals schedule. Mm -hmm. It looks like that is really set up for them to string some wins together. And it gets pretty tough for the Bengals. So this is important. We talked about this four-game stretch, and they could go 3-1, and 4-0, go into the bye on a nice piece of momentum going into that stretch. And this was the game that that felt – like it, the, the Falcons could be plucky enough to pull it off. They, they haven't beat the Browns with Joe Burrow, but it, I'll be interested to see what that opening line is. I think they're going to be favored by four or so, even in Cleveland. They get that win, beat Carolina, go into the bye six and three, and you're right. It's what we, that's what I thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. I thought this was going to be a two-team race, and yeah, I don't know if you ever heard this, but Tomlin's never had a losing season, um, but – if, if they lose to Miami tonight, it, you can almost count them out too because they'll be two and six as well. Or two and five, sorry. Yes, we shall see. But for now, uh, we're going to sign off here from Paycor uh, on a day where Burrow went bananas, man. Uh, I mean, 41, just a, just a, a stupid showing uh, by them. His, uh, the third highest total in Bengals history behind Burrow's 525 last year and Boomer's 490. Um, and really, you know, took the foot off the pedal for the most part down the, the fourth quarter. Um, wanted to get T the last seven. Jamar yelled at T, said it was his fault. He screwed it up, running out of bounds for not getting all three over 100, um, <laughs> which would have been the first time since 1990 that the Bengals would have pulled three people with 100 yards if, off. If that was Boomer's 490 and that was in overtime. So Joe Burrow now has the two highest passing games in Bengals history in regulation. First of many. I, that, I, 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 I'm going to say, well, I, don't, I feel like this is risky. I'm going to say Burrow tops that number at some point this year. He tops 481. He will have, this will not be his high mark for this season yeah. in yardage. I think they'll have another game late in the season. Somebody else who defense is coming in and doesn't have any answers and doing a December quit job. Cleveland. It's you know, I, I just I, I feel like we this is uh just the beginning. We shall see. We shall see. All right, we will be back tomorrow, Monday. The live room is back. 
So bringing the live room back tomorrow at lunchtime uh, to take all your questions about where the Bengals at. And then, of course, our normal Tuesday show will be right back in line as we get ready for Monday Night Football. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.